You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Nathan Sather. I'm your host this morning. And you're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. Uh, it's a beautiful Monday morning. Uh, for some reason, I get tapped to do the Real Presence Radio thing. It seems like on Monday mornings. I guess no one else likes to work Mondays or something. I get the, the special privilege of doing that. Um, but we're joined in this particular segment uh, with a wonderful individual that's going to tell us a little bit about himself and some ministry work that he does working with prisons and whatnot. Uh, we're joined at this time by Father Jeff Norfolk. Father, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. Yeah, now tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're from and where you're uh, doing your ministry work now for, for our Lord here at this time. Thank you. Uh, born and raised in Mitchell, South Dakota, and uh, graduated from high school, traveled as uh, a missionary with Net Ministries, and eventually went to the seminary. I was ordained in 2009 and have been in the Diocese of Sioux Falls in eastern South Dakota for the past, uh, going on 12 years as a priest. Currently stationed in Brandon, South Dakota, which is just 10 miles east of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, pastor there at Risen Savior Parish. And then I'm the chaplain in correctional facilities in eastern South Dakota. Uh, one jail in Sioux Falls, and then there's three prison facilities throughout eastern South Dakota that we help with. Is that something you're assigned to by your bishop, or how does that work in your diocese, Father? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there was an opening as the other prison chaplains were about to retire, and uh, I showed some interest, and so the bishop eventually appointed me to take on the position. And what, you know, gave you that kind of initial interest in the first place, that the bishop's like, oh yeah, hey, here's here's the guy I want to do this? Yeah. When I was in college, I did some work with uh, a juvenile detention center, and when I was in the seminary in Colorado, also worked in juvenile detention center, federal prison in Colorado. Um, Eventually, when I became a, a priest, I visited a county jail up in Aberdeen, and I've had a family member that was also in prison, and so I got to do some visits inside then. So it's something that the Lord has definitely shown me uh, the importance of, because it's in some ways an invisible world that a lot of people aren't familiar with, uh, and especially when my family member was experiencing it, I wanted to learn more about it. And I, and I think, you know, personally myself, I, I certainly can't speak for anyone else, but for myself, you know, you, you go through the uh, spiritual and corporal works of mercy, and you kind of like try to knock these things out, like, oh, am I doing this one? Am I doing this one? You get to, you know, visit the imprisoned, and there's a lot of hesitations. Hesitations on time, hesitations on safety, hesitations on, you know, am I going to do something that's going to endanger my own family or something like that? Uh, is that something that you experience most people have trepidations about? And if, and if so, how are you know, lay people like myself supposed to overcome those things if, if we do have a sense of, of a call to try to help in this manner? Yeah, and there's uh, two ways that it can be approached in the sense that I don't believe that everybody's called to go inside the walls uh, because, again, there's, there's fear or there's certain hindrances that could prevent them from doing that. Um, but for me, the information about what goes on inside of prisons and jails, just informing people and educating people helps take away some of that fear. Um, if they are willing to come into the inside and see what it's like, yeah, it's going to take some courage, it's going to take some surrender to 
uh, step through those doors and to experience the men and the women inside. Um, if they're not called to go inside, we would love them to write letters. We would love them to pray and just to be able to, to support what we do who do go inside. And, and is that like the letter writing and whatever else that is that something that's managed through you? Is is, is that on your diocesan website that people, how, how do they get into contact to know how to actually start to do something like that? Yeah, there are some national programs that help set up pen pals for men and women in prison. Uh, we would be happy to do that. The best way would be yeah, to check out our website. Um, so our diocesan website has a link to prison ministry. And that would be a great place to get in touch with us, and we can give you specific names of uh, men and women that would love to receive letters and write back and forth. Gotcha. So when when you talk about going, you know, behind the walls, I'm curious what's what's a, a day life uh, for you, Father? Um, showing up, getting through. You you say the walls. I don't know if security is the right word. Whatever that is. Then what's what's the environment that you're actually you know able to minister in? Are you able to, to say mass? Are you able to you know celebrate the sacraments? And then what's it like you know going back on the way out again? Yeah, uh, for me it's become a comfortable place, and so I'm not afraid to go in. Uh, and there are many guards who are around helping you with your needs and definitely help you to feel protected. When I go in, I can do one-on-one visits with guys. Either I'll call them up to the office that I have as a chaplain and, and visit with them, or I can go what we call cell front, which means I can go to their actual cell and talk to them through uh, their cell door. Um, the old prison bars are open, in a sense, just like you're familiar seeing on TV, but some of the newer prison doors have uh, more screens on them, and so it's you're looking through little holes to try and talk with them in that sense. Um, so going in for individual visits, I have Mass Saturday morning and Saturday evening, and then try to set up individual times for guys to be able to go to confession. Um, Monday evening we have a Bible study, and especially during Lent, for example, we pray the Stations of the Cross with the guys, or at times we'll pray the Rosary with them, try and teach them different devotions. Um, so if I'm not going in for sacraments, then I'm going in to either meet with them one-on-one or to have either a Bible study or some kind of class in which we're talking about a, a topic of faith. And, and how open and receptive are even what I would call non-believers, people who never really had an interest in Christianity before? And, and where, my, where my conversation kind of, or my question kind of comes from, I should say, is I went through Army basic training, and the only way you could get away from your drill sergeants was if you went to church. <laughs> so Sunday morning, suddenly everyone became interested in Jesus. I'm curious if you have folks that suddenly have an interest in Jesus because it takes them away from you know the, the world in which they find themselves living in. Yeah, I would say in, in two ways that's true. Uh, number one, especially in the ma- maximum security facility, uh, when the guys are coming in for admission and orientation, the only way they can get out of their cell is if they sign up for an event that the prison allows them to go to. So Saturday morning Mass sometimes becomes a chance to see your friends that you can't see otherwise. Uh, so that's definitely true. Also, in, when guys first get arrested, you have to come to jail before you get sentenced or before you go to court. And so there is a, a heart-to-heart look at their lives to acknowledge well, I've just lost a lot of my freedom, and if I'm honest with myself, I've hurt people, 
my relationship with God, if I have a relationship with Him, and I become aware of what my actions have done to that relationship with God and with others, then they can start reflecting on, yeah, I, even if I've never had a relationship with God, now is an opportunity where I need something because I've lost so much. And so there is an openness to, to learn about God, to start to turn to God and to see, is this going to help me in the midst of what I've lost? Are there, are there any threads through that ministry that, you know, kind of come from a multitude of stories, or is it literally just every person is their own story and their, and their own unique um, experiences? There's a uniqueness to each person, um, but there are definitely patterns that we see. Uh, I would say in the 90 percentile, many of them come from broken families. Many of them come from uh, a lack of a father figure. And so when we're approaching them, whether they have a Christian background or don't have a Christian background, we're approaching them just to help them understand that there are people who are concerned for them and want their good, want their well-being, even if their family didn't model that. Um, if they didn't have stable family or stable parents, that we want to introduce them to a group of faith-filled people who do want what's best for them and are concerned for them. So that basic step of friendship in many ways helps them to start to open themselves and ask deeper questions about who they are, what's the meaning, the purpose of their life, how are they going to go forward after what they've experienced. And, and is that those conversations with you mostly on the, the interpersonal level before they even remotely become theological or, or pastoral? Yeah, and most of the times, I would say what happens is they start talking to other prisoners. So they have a cellmate that's a follower of Christ. They uh, hear something that's being offered. They see a flyer hanging up inside the prison of an, an event or a retreat that's being offered, and someone invites them to it. So it's usually from their own peers first, and then they hear that we're offering this opportunity, we're offering a rosary, we'll give them a Bible. And so we appreciate all the things that the, the fellow prisoners do to help us invite people and draw people to help them open up to either a deepened relationship with Christ or to start a new relationship with Christ. And how often is that, would you say, a new relationship as opposed to a, a renewal of a previous relationship? Yeah, in South Dakota, we work with a lot of Native Americans, and so many of them did not grow up in Christian homes. So that would be a primary population where it's a new relationship. Okay. You know, they, there may have been Christian churches on the reservation in which they grew up, but many of them didn't have interaction, or maybe it was only their grandparents who took them to... Christian Church, for example. So in their instance, a lot of things are new. The, the concept of who Christ is, the concept of who God is, is new. Um, for other guys, even if they did grow up in uh, a Christian home, because things were so unstable, alcohol, drugs, violence, just the brokenness of their families, uh, their understanding of Christianity was not well taught or formed. And so it's there's some kind of foundation there, but in some ways, many things become new. Because right. They have to learn the teachings of Christ. They have to learn what it means to have a daily relationship with Jesus. Right. Well, I think I'll pause you right there, Father. Um, for our listeners, we're going to go to a break here, but we'll come back on the other side of this and continue to talk with Father Jeff about the amazing work 
that he does in prison ministry there in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. This is Father Bo Brown from the Diocese of Duluth. A lot of times, us as as Catholics, we we struggle with the Holy Spirit because the, the Father is so approachable. He has a name that's very uh, that we all know, right? That we can relate to, and the Son as well. And when we get the Holy Spirit, oftentimes He can take this this kind of back seat in our relationship with God. And we see early on in the, in the Book of Acts and uh, in the disciples in the early life of the Church. We see how they live with the Holy Spirit and they express to us what it's like to live with Him and how He both sanctifies what they do and their ministry and gives them special gifts and also how He sanctifies their own lives and they talk about how the Spirit brings uh, certain effects in their life like joy and peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control. So I think it's good for us to think about today. What's our relationship with the Holy Spirit like? Is He a real person in our lives? We have the same kind of relationship with Him that we have with the Father and the Son. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, contact lenses, glasses, and vision therapy services. Our specialized vision therapy program works to improve how the eyes work together as a team. We work with our patients to improve reading difficulties, lazy eyes, eye turns, and focusing problems, which can be detrimental to performance in the classroom and on the job. You can learn more about our mission at Lumen.Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Nathan Sather, and I'm your host this morning. And we're talking in this segment still with... Father Jeff Norfolk from uh, the Diocese of Sioux Falls talking to us about some prison ministry and how he got into it and what's it like. And, um, you know, we were talking before our our segment ended, Father, just about, you know, some of the people coming into a a new relationship with Jesus and some of the opportunities that, um, I'll say their circumstances that they find themselves in kind of encourages them to, to maybe look at God in a new way. Uh, I'd, I'd like to know how sharing those experiences of, of your time in prison ministry with them has affected you personally, your relationship with Jesus, and then also um, how that inspires you, you know, going forward in your, in your priestly ministry. Yeah, very much. I appreciate that. Uh, so one of the scripture passages that has become a theme, I've only been doing this uh, for a little bit over two and a half years, so things are still very new, but... One of the scripture passages myself and the volunteers go back to often is where Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. And so when a guy's been in prison, especially for several years, it's hard to see the newness 
it's hard to, to see that God's doing something new because it's just like the same routine every day. They feel like, well, it's just the same people, it's the same schedule, nothing really changes, and so it's easy for them to, to fall into complacency or to even to become discouraged or lose hope. And so it's been important for me to try and help them see that Christ is working in new ways each and every day in their life and to be able to hear His voice, to be able to to have eyes of faith, to see the new work that Christ is doing in their lives is very important. Uh, and definitely that's awakened within me. You know, each time I go in, I want to see Christ in a new way when I go through those prison doors, because uh, if I'm going to help others see it, I need to be seeing it and experiencing it myself. And when I go out to the parish where I work or help with, with, with retreats or different uh, spiritual events, then I want to help others to know, okay, I've seen this in the prison, I want to share this story with you so they can encourage you and give you hope who are not in prison, that in your daily life Christ can do new things and work in new ways also. That's been very important for me. And what what are some of your, I don't want to say successes necessarily, because we all know that, you know, the Lord blesses our, our efforts and it's it's all His anyway, but some of the ways in which, you know, men have really been impacted in a positive way by Jesus uh, through the ministry that you, that you provide to them, Father? Yeah, I would speak about uh, two ways that come to my mind. When I first came in and I realized that when a guy says that he's Catholic, he might not really understand what that means. For example, <laughs> he might not have a, a very good understanding at all about what the sacraments are, the importance of the sacraments. And even if he was baptized or, or born a Catholic, that doesn't mean that he fully understands what that means. So introducing guys to the importance of the sacraments, why do we go to Mass each week, and especially the importance of the sacrament of confession. That's been something that's been so important for me to introduce the guys, to walk them through the sacraments, to help them to try and get in the habit of frequent reception of the sacrament of confession. Um, the sin makes us blind. It, it dulls our minds. It dulls our spiritual senses. And so to help them to encounter that mercy, open their eyes spiritually, become more spiritually awake. It's been very important. Um, we also do a retreat program that's been going on for almost four years, much longer than I've been there for sure. And that just invites guys into what's called the Residence Encounter Christ Retreat, Friday evening through Sunday afternoon. That gives them a chance to get out of their cells for the weekends, to be with their friends, to learn more, to have a chance to be what I would call childlike, and, and to, to have fun, to kind of let down their guard a little bit, and just to be able to, to relax and not feel so much pressure, feel so much that eyes are always watching them, and to be vulnerable with Christ and to be vulnerable with others in, in a small group and to, to share their faith and to try and grow, recognizing there is a support of others around them that want to grow in faith also. The reason why I kind of chuckled when you mentioned that is I think, you know, for those of us who do anything in the work of the church or evangelization, like, that's the problem we have with almost everybody, is not really knowing what their, their own Catholic faith is. <laughs> uh, it's yes, certainly not a unique, a, a unique thing to the, to the setting of a, of a prison. Um, now, when, when, when you talk about these, these retreats or whatever else, what, what, what kind of impacts on the other side of them do you see in the population that you work with there, Father? Yeah, it's good uh, not only for the, the men and the women who come on them, but it's also good for the staff to see it. And so oftentimes the conflict that comes up inside a prison is not just prisoner to prisoner, it's, it's prisoner to staff member. 
And so when we can help the men and women who are on these retreats to see, okay, yes, when a guard or an officer does something that you don't like, uh, here's a way to let go of that anger. Here's a way to treat them in a merciful way, even if you're not being treated in a merciful way. And so guys go back to their cells, they go back to their daily routines, and hopefully they, they treat others in a, a more Christ-like way. They speak to others in a more Christ-like way. And hopefully, again, when officers and staff members see some of these changes within the men and women, then they begin to respond and treat them in a new way and, and interact with them in new ways. So our intercessory prayer uh, during the retreat, but also the intercessory prayer that we do during the week on a weekly basis is not only for those incarcerated, but for the staff or their family members, because we're hoping to make a, a change in, in the whole culture and the whole society of prison ministry, not just for those who are in prison themselves. Yeah, I didn't really think about the staff impact until you just kind of mentioned that. Do, do, you, do you have people on staff that approach you about questions, or, or is it pretty much the, the prisoners that takes up uh, the, the entirety of your time? No, it is important that we can interact with the staff. Uh, you know, back in October, I think it was one of the staff members died suddenly, and so myself and another volunteer went to the funeral. And that was important for us to, to go and to be present. You know, we have masses offered for staff members that die. Uh, so we want the staff to know that, yes, we're there to, to minister to the men and women incarcerated, but to be able to do that well, we need to support and we need to cooperate together with the staff. And so the warden's been very kind to me at the, the prison in Sioux Falls, the prison in Springfield. The associate warden has helped me to get more access to reach out to the men down there. So it, it is very important that we're praying for them, that we have a, the best relationship that's possible with them. Wonderful. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that some prisoners, and, and do correct me, Father, if I'm wrong, like, I don't want to say get comfortable, but maybe there's a fear of being released. Like, what? it's easy to maybe focus on your faith with Father when you're here in this environment, but what happens when I'm no longer in this environment? Can you kind of elaborate or share a little bit with us about how they feel about that? Yeah, we were talking to a, a man recently, and he was just about to get out in about a month after being in for 20 years. You know, just think about how much the world has changed in 20 years. Yeah. So it's very concerning for them, um, finding the basics of where am I going to live after 20 years? Do I have any kind of family support? What am I going to eat? Where do I get clothes? And when they start thinking about all those things and they start piling up, it makes them anxious. Um, and again, if they have a felony, it's very hard to get a job. And so we try and connect them with companies that will hire felons to try and give them a new start, a new chance. Many of these men and women are very willing to work hard. They have incredible talents. Many of them are very artistic, very creative. And so we want to help them to know that there are people outside that want to help them use their creativity, use their hard work ethic to give them a new beginning. And so to really talk them through the fears and also to help them see, okay, here's a list of resources, and when you walk out the prison door, here's some people that we want to help connect you with. And that hopefully helps them make the transition. Wonderful. And uh, again, just kind of elaborate a little bit, Father, if you'd be so kind, uh, you know, how people can get involved themselves, different ways in which we can support 
the work that you're doing, either you know supporting your work or even getting more involved, hands-on ourselves. Yeah, like you said, it's a corporate work of mercy, so we do want to invite people to interact with uh, the men and women, uh, whether it's becoming a mentor and coming in and visiting them once a week, whether it's coming in and helping with the, the retreat, or if people don't uh, want to come inside the actual prisons or the jails, uh, but they're willing to pray for these men and women, for their families, for the staff. Uh, we have a, a Christmas program where we gather donations and can put together Christmas sacks. If these guys don't have good family support, this, this may be the only Christmas gift that they give or that they are able to receive. And also, again, you can donate books, you can donate clothing, you can donate yarn. There's lots of materials, material items that people can donate that will benefit these men and women uh, to give them a new start and to give them an outlet for their creativity while they are spending time. Uh, so, yeah, both inside and outside, there are, are many ways that we want to help people to know that they can have an impact because many of these men and women will get out back into society, and the more we can help them while they're in, the better that impact that they'll have back in society. Absolutely. Absolutely. just makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Father, for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Before we uh, leave you, though, could you please give us um, uh, at least your blessing? If you'd like to throw a prayer in there, too, we'd, we'd greatly appreciate it. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, all of us are sinners. In fact, we hear this morning that you were merciful to the woman caught in adultery, and so we ask that we would hear your words to go and sin no more, and we would continue by your grace, especially in this Lenten season, to work against that sin and let your love and your mercy triumph in our hearts so that we can see you with merciful eyes towards those who are also in need of your mercy, especially men and women incarcerated. Send your holy angels to watch and protect all of us. And mighty God bless you, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father, for your time. We greatly appreciate the time you've given us this morning here on Real Presence Live. Thanks for having me. Oh, oh thank you, Father. All right, on the other side of this break, we're going to come up with uh, a man by the name of Joe Hendricks, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about a bike race that's going to happen to raise some money for some funds for some college students here in the North Dakota area. So you'll get that on the other side of this break. My name is Nathan Satha, your host today, and you are listening to Real Presence Live across the Real Presence Radio Network. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 